We have been in a series uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to veer away from that this morning and go to the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We'll get back to Ecclesiastes uh, sometime. Uh, But this morning, we're going to be in Philippians chapter number 2. And if once you find that, if you'd stand with us for the reading of the Word of God in honor of His Word, which is our custom around here at Riverside Baptist Church. And we're so very glad that you're with us today. So glad that you've joined us today on this cold morning. Thankful for heat. I think about the churches that are meeting, have met over in Ukraine. And I'm pretty sure they're probably meeting in dark, cold halls. <clears throat> but God is worthy of our time, isn't He? No matter, no matter what. No matter what. I remember years ago sitting over in some of those dark meeting halls in the former Soviet Union, just bundled up, trying to keep my feeling in my toes, And listen to those folks sing unto the Lord as if they were standing in a place such as this. It's good to have a heart for God, isn't it? Truly, truly is. Okay, Philippians chapter 2, and look down to verse number 5. We'll start our our reading there. Philippians 2 and verse number 5. The Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being, form, uh, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I titled the message this morning, Jesus, Our Example. He is our example. Let's pray and we'll get, we'll get started. Father, thank you for the service this morning. Lord, the Christmas songs, always a blessing. Lord, the, just the fact that you're such a great God and that you did take on the form of man, that we might know you in the free pardon of sin. Help us to never lose the wonder of that. Help us to be diligent to teach our children that very fact that they might not end up in hell one day. Help us, Lord, to live our life in such a way that we bring honor and glory to you, that other people might see that Christianity is not just mere religion, but it's a relationship with a holy God. And Lord, for these next few minutes, we pray for your power and your guidance in all we say and all that we do. Lord, that you might be honored and glorified by it. We pray as the word goes out that it would do the work that only it can. And Lord, even as Brother Andrew prayed to you earlier, if there's someone here that does not, does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, speak to them clearly. We pray that you'll do these things. We trust you for them and ask it all 
In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. Please do be seated. Over in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 7, in verse number 14, the Lord gave this prophecy. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You know, the meaning of names in the Bible is often very significant. And in this case, we know that Isaiah spoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary was the virgin who conceived, and Jesus was the son who was born. And he was called Emmanuel because, as the name means, he is God with us. Okay, That's what Emmanuel means. And we can discover that if we study the Hebrew language, or we can learn from the Gospel of Matthew. Over in the book of Matthew, it tells us that the interpretation of Emmanuel is God with us. With that said, that's what Christmas is all about. It's all about that. It's about the birth of Jesus, the eternal Son of God, coming to live with us in the body of a man. Now, that's a great mystery. Someone was asking me several, a couple of days ago, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, uh, wondering about the explanation of the Trinity. Can you explain to me the Trinity? Uh, no. <laughs> But I know that our God is a triune God. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But even here, with, with God taking on the form of man, that's a great mystery. No, no, we'll never fully comprehend it. It's not going to happen. The Bible itself tells us so. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy said, uh, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He said, there's no argument over this truth. This thing of God becoming flesh, it's just a great ministry. It's a truth that we could not know apart from the divine revelation, divine revelation and it is a truth we'll never, never, we'll never even fully comprehend. But it must be received by faith. And we can speak of it, and we shall. But we cannot fully understand it. And we can sing of it, and we have. But we'll never fully comprehend the mystery of it. We will never fully understand how the power of God worked in the womb of Mary upon an infertile egg to bring about a conception and a birth, in so doing, merge his whole life, his own life, with a developing baby so that the child that Mary brought into this world was Emmanuel. It was God with us. I'm just saying it's beyond the realm of knowledge. It's outside the scope of science. It's a truth that will not be unraveled by philosophy or explained by theology. It it was not natural. It was supernatural. It was a merging of the physical and the spiritual. And thus it is something that can only be explained by God Himself. And our understanding will be limited to His divine revelation. We know what we know about it as we read the Word of God. And I accept the fact that Jesus was the very begotten Son of God, that He was God in the flesh. I accept that by faith. By faith. Yet as our text demonstrates this morning, the fact that the Son of God taking on human flesh was, a, was the source and the substance of His greatness. 
when the angel said to Mary, he shall be great, it was in reference to the fact that the child to be born would be Emmanuel, would be God with us. And his greatness, of course, stems from that fact. Therefore, this morning, I'm going to try to, and I'm going to endeavor to see what this means in the light of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians as he instructed them on the greatness of Christ's humanity. So let's start with the thought of the relevance of it. I'm sorry. He said this, Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we may not be able to understand how it was accomplished, but that which we are able to understand is to have a bearing upon our lives. It should have a bearing upon our lives. It's meant to change the way we think about our lives and our purpose, really, of being here in this world. The example he gave us we can, we can see that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. It says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow His steps. The Lord Jesus Christ's example was an example of prideless, prideless humility. God that took on the form of man. And then taking upon himself the role of a servant. And making himself of no reputation. In obedience to God, humbling himself, even though it meant the death of the cross. He was willing to come. He was willing to do what the Father would have him to do. Charles Spurgeon, in a sermon that he preached in 1760, uh, the title of the sermon was, He Shall Be Great, said this. Very good. Quote, The man Christ Jesus stooped very low. In his first estate, he was not great. He was very little when he was upon his mother's breast. In his later estate, he was not great, but despised, rejected, and crucified. In the esteem of the great ones of the earth, he was an ignorant Galilean. His enemies could not find a word base enough to express their contempt of him. He was brought very low in his trial, condemnation, and suffering. Who thought him great when he was covered with bloody sweat or when he was sold at the price of a slave? Who thought him great when they bound him and led him to the judgment seat as a male factor? Or when the cowards smote him, blindfolded him, and spat in his face? Or when he was scourged, led through the streets bearing his cross, and afterwards hung up between two thieves to die? End quote. From the night of his birth, when the Son of God was laid upon a bed of hay, wrapped in swaddling clothes, uh, uh, the clothes of poverty, until the day of his death, when he, uh, when he was shamefully stripped of his garments, stripped of his garments, and hung between two thieves to die, the example of Jesus was one of prideless humility. I'll take whatever mankind deals out to me. So that, I might pray, so that I might pay the price for their sin. For their sin. 
But it was also an example of perfect humanity. Perfect humanity. And I'm not referring to his sinless life. I refer to the submission in his life. He, um, his perfect and total compliance with the will of God, even though the will of God included Calvary, included the cross. And the extort, uh, come on brain, the exhortation that is given to us is this, let this mind be in you. Uh, 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 preacher, uh, uh, what mind? Everything we just talked about. Let this mind be in you, he says to believers. This is part of what keeps Christmas relevant in our lives. Because we are to remember that the birth of the Savior was the beginning of the human life of Jesus. A life lived in prideless humility, who sought no reputation of his own, but only sought the glory of the Father. And a life lived in perfect humanity, who sought no will of his own, but only the will of his Father. This is the mind that we are to embrace. This is the mind that we are to emulate. This is the example that we are to follow. To do any less is to fail to give real relevance to the celebration of Christmas. Oh, I'll say that again. To do any less is to fail to give any real relevance to the celebration of Christmas. Relevance is not found in the gifts that we give. It's not found in the lights and the decorations. It's not found in the family gatherings. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. I enjoy those things, but they are empty unless we allow the coming of Christ into our hearts to change our lives. It was a life-changing birth that ended in a life-changing death and being raised back to life. So we have to think about the reality of it all. The reality of his humanity is that he was God in human flesh. He truly was God. Excuse me, in human flesh. He was just as much God as though he had never been man. Talks about the form of God. And that doesn't mean he was merely like God. No, 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 no. It means that he was the very substance of God before his birth into this world. I'll say it again. He was the very substance of God before his birth ever into this world. The Apostle John said he was in the beginning with God and he was God. So he had the power of God. He possessed the wisdom of God. He was in fact God and deserves to be worshipped as God. But he was just as much man as though he had never been God. It says, in the likeness of man. And that doesn't mean that he merely looked like a man. It means that he became exactly what men are. Flesh and blood. Oh no, he felt pain. He got tired. He got hungry. 
uh, working in that carpenter shop, I'm, I'm sure that there were several times of uh, swollen fingers and such like. He was 100% man. The apostle John said the word, the word became flesh. The apostle Paul said, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The apostle Paul, speaking of the church, said the church was purchased with his own blood. So he had blood, just like you and I have blood. He was born like us. He grew like us. With pain, he suffered like us. And he is the one that died for us. He died for us. And we can't, we cannot forget the reason for his birth. In verse number eight, it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus was born to die. He came into this world to die for our sin. You know, I, I love to think of the Christmas story I, 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 of, of, of uh, no room for them in the inn and, and the Lord Jesus being born in a barn. Were you born in a barn? Jesus was. I'm just trying to keep up with Him, you know? Being born in a barn, taking on the form of man. I, I, I love all of that. But we need to never lose the reason that He came and we see Him laying there. He was born to die. He was born to die for your sin and my sin. He came to pay our sin debt. He's the only one that ever could. The baby Jesus that Mary cradled in her arms came into the world to die for our sins. He was born to be the Savior of the world. That tender brow was made to wear a crown of thorns. Those precious little feet there in the manger that night were made to climb the hill of Calvary. The tiny little hands that, that, they, that they held on to that would grow rough through working in a carpenter's shop was made to be, they were made to be nailed to the cross that little body that Mary clutched to her chest and ministered to with her hands was made to bear the sin of this world. The peace that reigned on earth the night of His birth would be shattered 33 years later as the crowds cried out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And the blows of the hammer striking the nails rang out while His mother looked on in agony and buried her face in the shoulder of John even unable to watch all that her son was going through. That little baby laying there in the manger was born to die for your sin. Beautiful scene that night. But we need not lose sight of what it was all about. He did grow like you and I. He did live a normal life, if you will. 
he did work in a carpenter's shop from the age of 13 to the age of 30. But he did launch out on a ministry. And he ministered for some three and a half years. But then he gave his life. I'll say it again. He gave his life. Oh, but preacher, they came and they captured him in the garden. They'd have never been able to take him if he take. They would have never been able to take him if he wouldn't have gone. And then they beat him. God. They beat him. And he let him. <clears throat> he just stood there and took it. Bible says he never opened his mouth. He did that for you. And he did that for me. That precious little baby that was laying there in the manger grew to take that kind of abuse. They took him and tied him to a whipping post and whipped him and whipped him and whipped him. A terrible, terrible sight. Even if you study in history how horrible it was. And he let them. He let them. Well, they tied him to that whipping post. There wasn't any leather strap that was going to keep him down. If he wanted off of that, he could have gotten off of it right away. Yeah. No. God. In the flesh. Yeah, but he was God. He was man. No, he, he felt all that pain, just like you would if you were tied to a whipping post. He felt it all, every blow, everything. They plaited a crown of thorns, jammed that down on his head, and he let them. Oh, he felt it. He felt the blood as it ran down his brow and onto his body. He felt it. He felt the pain of the thorns. He let him do it. God in the flesh, he did that for you. He wasn't deserving of that. I said he was not deserving of that. That man that day that stood there with the crown of thorns upon his head bleeding from pretty much all parts of his body, standing there in pain as they continue to mock him, ridicule him, slap him, and spit on him. That man was just as innocent as that little baby that night. Just as innocent. He had not done one thing in his life to deserve what he was going through. He did all of that for us. He did it for us. They marched him through town as people cursed him and mocked him and spit upon him, pulled out his beard. He let them. 
He got up to the hill called Calvary, Golgotha, and laid hit down his life on that cross. They didn't have to force him. Not one bit. And they, they pounded those nails through his hands and through his feet, and he let them. God, in the flesh, felt every blow of the hammer. They propped that cross up there and he hung there for some six hours. Most Bible theologians say that by the time that they hung him on the cross, you could scarcely tell he was a man. He had been beaten so badly. And he let him. For you. I said he let him do that for you. And for me. He let him. God. In the flesh, as innocent as the newborn baby, hanging on a cross, shedding his blood for you and me to pay for our sin, our sin. Yep. And then he died. They killed him. Oh, no, 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 no. They couldn't kill him. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. He chose to die for you and for me. And they laid him in a tomb, and he laid there for three days and three nights. But death could not keep him down because he was God. And he was just as much God in that little manger that night as he was when he came out of the tomb that morning. God. And he went through all of that for us. So that we might not have to pay our own sin debt. For the wages of sin is death. One of these days we're all going to die. Everybody has an appointment with death. Everybody will not get past it. One of these days we're going to die. And then we're either going to have eternal life or we're going to suffer the second death. The lake which burneth with fire and brimstone is what the Bible calls it. A very real place called hell. that little baby that was born in the manger, he knew why he came. No, that little baby, he knew why he came. He was God. He knew why he came. Took on the form of man in all humbleness. I mean, was raised as a child all of a sudden. But he was God. And he knew that if he did not fulfill his purpose that we would all end up in hell. But he paid that price. 
with great hopes that we would come to the realization that that baby that was born that night was God in the flesh, lived a perfect sinless life, died a vicarious death for you and me, rose from the dead after three days and three nights, and even sits at the right hand of God this morning, already paying the sin debt for mankind, but there comes that time that uh, we have to receive the gift that He gives. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You'll never get to heaven without Christ. You'll never get to heaven without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You'll never get there. You're never going to get there. I can't, I can't believe you keep saying that. It's true. You're never going to get there without the Lord Jesus Christ. You're never going to get there. And salvation changes your life. It's a life changer. But there has to come that time that we believe that Jesus Christ was the very begotten Son of God, that He was God in the flesh, that He died for us and paid our sin debt, and that we are willing to turn to Him and trust Christ as our only hope of ever getting to heaven because we're not going to make it without Him. See, He did everything... He did everything that need to be done so that we can know Him as our Savior and we can know Him in the free pardon of sin. But we are responsible for believing by faith that that is true and accepting Him as our personal Savior. Well, I can't believe you even say stuff like this. This is close, close to Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. I like the lights. I like the Christmas song. I like the presents. Yeah, I'm that carnal. I like the presents. But the greatest gift that was ever given to me was the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Amen and the salvation that He offers. But once we know Him as our personal Savior, we have to think about our response to that. Our response to that, as knowing Him as our personal Savior. Verse number 9, stay with me, we're doing really good. Verse number 9 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So because Jesus humbled himself as he did to take on flesh and die for our sins, excuse me, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. And that name is this, Lord. Lord. When, when the angel appeared to the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born, he said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Lord is a name of divinity. It, it, it means that He is God. 
But Lord is also a title of authority because Jesus, once we are saved, Jesus is to be the Lord of our lives. He is. Well, you think you have to make Jesus the Lord of your life to be saved? Oh, no, no, no. Don't put me in that category. No, 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 no. We do not believe in lordship salvation around this place. We know that we're saved by grace through faith. We understand that. No, 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 no. But once we've been bought with the price, once we belong to him, we should make him the Lord of our life. That name Lord means master, supreme and final authority. So what do we do? What are we supposed to do, preacher? We are supposed to give him the charge, uh, give him charge of our lives. No, He is supposed to be in charge of our lives once we're saved by His grace. Sometimes it's really difficult to uh, to understand why our wills resist doing that. Except for the fact that we have a sinful nature that wants more than anything else to go our own way and do our own thing. Surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, please listen to me, surrendering to the Lordship of Christ is putting your life into the hands of one who loves you more than anyone else loves you. It's putting your life into the hands of the one who desires only that which is good for our lives. It's putting your life into the hands of the one who healed the sick, who calmed the seas and and cast out demons and conquered the grave. Why would we resist yielding our lives to Him, placing our lives on the altar of His will and letting Him direct our lives according to His infinite wisdom and His great love? Why do we resist When God has nothing but the best in mind for us. To too many people today, the words, Jesus is Lord, is just that. Words. It's just words. Oh, don't get me wrong, Jesus is Lord. Whether He's Lord of your life or not, He is Lord. But we are to make Him the Lord of our lives. Well, preacher, that's just not for me. If you're born again, no, no, if you're a born again believer, it is for you. Exactly what God meant for all of us, truly. But some do, it's just words. They have no reality. We say that He's Lord. We even pray to Him as Lord, but we go on doing what we think is best. We make decisions without consulting Him. Making Jesus Lord on a daily basis means to follow His example and assume the position of a lowly servant and to be obedient to whatever He may lead us to do. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. But before Jesus can be your Lord, He needs to be your Savior. And if He is your Savior, with all that He's done for you, He deserves to be your Lord. 
but I can't make you do that. Listen to me, listen to me, I'm right done. And God won't make you do that. He won't make you do that. It's a decision. Personal. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to let him guide my life wherever it might be. We have to make that decision. Once we know him as our personal savior. If you're holding on to your life because your preferences don't line up with God's will, let the preferences go. Just let them go. They're they're not worth it. I promise you, God has a much better plan for your life. Jesus came to save us from our sins, but He also came as our example of how we are to believe and submit and obey our Heavenly Father. He's our perfect example. The greatest gift ever given to this world is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the greatest gift. No doubt about it. And the greatest gift that you can ever give Him is your heart. Your life. Trusting Him as your personal Savior. If you've never done so, today would be a good day to get that settled. You can know that before you leave this place. Give us an opportunity to share that with you. But if you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but you have been um, struggling, or maybe just negligent, to allow Him to be the one that guides you in life, I would encourage you, I want to encourage you this morning, you'll not go wrong just yielding to Him. You'll not regret it. The best thing that ever happened to me is that I was saved by the grace of God in April 1984. Best thing that ever happened to me is I got saved. After that is the fact that there came a day that I yielded and said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I just want to live my life for you. I don't believe I'll ever regret either one of those decisions. And God sure has kept me out of a lot. And he sure has blessed me beyond my wildest imagination. Just because I try day by day. Oh, I don't always do. I don't know. I, I fail along the way, but I try every day just to do what God would have me to do. And then I watch him do the incredible, the impossible, the miraculous. Oh, no, no, God's still in the miracle business. Jesus, our example. Are you following him? Do you know him as your Savior? Today would be a good day to make those choices. Would you bow your heads with me, please, for just a moment? Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. <clears throat> no one looking around in respect of God for just a moment, if you please, if you will, please. Thank you. Thank you.
may very well be that you're here this morning and you'd say, preacher, I don't know for sure. If I died, I'd go to heaven. I don't know for sure if I died that, that where I'm going to spend eternity. I don't know for sure that I've ever trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. But I don't want to end up in hell. Would you please just remember me in prayer? Boy, I'd like to pray for you like that this morning. Would you just slip up your hand wherever you're at and allow me to do so? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to come to you back there. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate that. Right here, right here. God bless you. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Others? Yeah, preacher, that's me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I died today where I'd go. I'm not sure that I've ever trusted Christ as my Savior. You might be sitting there going, I know I never have. I know I never have. You just slip your hand up where you're at. Let me pray for you. And I pray for these others. I just want to pray for you that God have His will and way done in your life. Thank you. God bless you. You may put your hands down. You didn't raise your hand before. Do you want to raise it now? Yeah, preacher, that's me. Absolutely so. Just pray for me, preacher, that I'll come to a place that I'll trust Christ. Would you let me pray for you that way? Come on, I'm not going to drag it out, but I'd sure like to pray for you if you don't know. I'd like to do that. Thank you so much. You're here this morning, and you know that you're saved by the grace of God, but God spoke to your heart this morning, maybe even about something that I never even spoke of. He's God. He does that at times. Say, preacher, I have a need in my life. I know I have this need in my life. Would you please remember and pray for me about the need that I have in my life? Would you let me pray for you like that? Just slip your hand up where, where you are, right there and there. God bless your honesty there. Over here, God bless you. Thank you so much for that right there. God bless you, sir. Back there, God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Appreciate it so much. Others, yeah, preacher, I have a need. Would you just pray? with me that I will do what God wants me to do, that God will meet this need. Others, before we move on, anyone else? Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate that. You may put your hands down. Let's all stand to our feet, if you're well able to do so, with our heads bowed. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their personal Savior. Lord, you're the only one that can save them. I can't save them. But I know, Lord, if they would come, that, that we'd, be so, we'd be so happy to show them out of your Bible how they can have that settled. They can leave this place knowing that they have trusted Christ as their personal Savior. And Lord, I pray that you'd help them to even come. I, I pray, Lord, that you'd help them uh, to make that first step. Uh, Lord, I know that if they'll, if they'll take the first step, the second one will be easier. There's just no reason for anyone to die and go to hell after you have paid the price the way that you have. So I pray that folks would come this morning. Lord, uh, it, help them, please. And then for the hands across the auditorium, I don't know how you've spoken to hearts today, Lord, but I just pray that people will yield to you. Maybe there's a time, maybe it is time, that some of them just completely yielded and made you Lord of their life guiding their everyday steps. Whatever needs to happen these next few minutes ahead, I pray, dear God, it, it will. And we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some have come to the altar, some have come up front. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, sir, we've got a man 
down here that will be happy to show you how you can get that settled. Ma'am, we've got, a, we've, we've got a lady that would be more than happy to take a Bible and show you how you can get that all settled in your life even before you leave this place today. Would you just come? You know you're not doing everything that God would have you to do. Why not come and yield to Him? Why not just lay your life on the altar this morning and say, Lord, it belongs to You. Whatever You want me to do, I'll be willing to do. Why not finally give in and do that? Haven't you fought it long enough? Haven't you battled long enough? Haven't you struggled long enough? Give your life to God. He can do more with it than you can. So much more with it than you can. Folks are praying. Still plenty of time for you. Would you let him have his way?